The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Welcome back to another episode of Ebony's in the Ivory. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Lakeitha Poole, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Dr. Bell. Hey, everybody. So we are back. It's episode 14 um, of season two. Um, So the second episode of season two. But we are super excited, as always, about our topic for this week and can't wait to get to it. But before we do, make sure, as always, you have subscribed through either SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe um, through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the ways, all the things. Um, And if you're interested in just keeping up with us um, on a daily basis, make sure you can also check out our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. So it is also accessible to you on the go and since we're from louisiana go is spelled g-e-a-u-x yes. <laughs> the, the, creole the creole way um so just make sure that if you are interested in keeping up with us that you do if this is your first episode tuning in with us or maybe your first one of season two just to update you guys on how um our formatting will be in staying in contact with us for 2019 um and the ways that you can stay connected so For every week of the month, pretty much, you'll be able to connect with us. Typically on Tuesdays, that's our sort of main day and designated sort of as EITI Tuesdays. Um, But each week will also be different. So we'll be bringing you new and fresh content um, on that first week, which includes a blog post um, of some sort around a fabulous topic. The following week will be our EITI Tribe Tuesday. So if you have been following us on social media, you saw that we launched our mentorship initiative. Um, We're super, super excited about it. We cannot wait um, to start making our pairs and being able to hear hopefully what will be wonderful success stories about the mentorship opportunities that will come about. Um, The following week, week three, will be our podcast episode. So you guys are listening to that right now. Um, And hopefully will be something that if you are new to the EITI community, you'll go back and listen to old episodes from season one um, and then join us on this journey. Week four is our Ebony's in the Spotlight feature. So each podcast episode, we talk about um, someone who is doing something fabulous. Um, Usually 
within the world of higher ed, uh, but it could also be what typically people might think to be small accomplishments, but in all honesty, nothing's too small. So this could be a change in jobs. This could be changing your family, a personal life, anything that you would like to share with the Ebony's community. We want to celebrate you. Um, and so on week four, we will do a special highlight feature on um, our social media pages for those Ebony's in the spotlight for that particular month. And then lastly, we only get four of these a year, but on the fifth week of the month, we'll feature um, sort of a bonus podcast episode, which will usually have a guest included. So we're super excited about um, just inviting guests to be a part of the show for season two. So we're looking forward to that. So that hopefully catches you up if this is your first episode or your first one this season um, on what's ahead for 2019 and beyond. So we're going to dive into episode 14's topic. Dr. Bell, take it away. All right, Dr. Poole. So um, this week we're going to talk about navigating the terrain. So we touched on that in the blog post. So we're going to talk about um, the differences and the strengths and the advantages between a PhD versus an EDD. So in the blog, you know, I talk about, as we talked about before, um, when we first decided that we were going to do a PhD, um, we were going to pursue a PhD. Um, and we had like been, you know, just kind of throwing it out there over the course for about a year. And we were like, no, seriously, we're going to do it though. <laughs> like, seriously, seriously, we're gonna like seriously, we're gonna start in 2013. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, we're gonna start. Um, but then, like I said in the blog, you know, when you know, when we decided we were gonna hold each other accountable, I was like, okay, so many questions just like just piled into my mind like, what program am I gonna, am I gonna do, or where am I gonna go, or um, how am I gonna pay for it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to kind of to touch on the difference between a PhD versus an EDD because of those questions that kind of populated in my mind, but also because I've been asked this question recently um, since we've started Ebony's in the Ivory. Should I get a PhD or should I get an EDD? So I wanted to do our listeners and our viewers and our subscribers, our tribe, some justice and kind of do, you know, more research into it and just kind of propose, you know, what I found and, you know, help help others navigate the terrain. Um, Because, you know, we seek to demystify the doctoral process. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dr. Poole, did you ever, you know, kind of toy with the idea of each or or the PhD or EDD? I think I kind of just needed to know the difference. You know, I'm the first I've shared on the show, like I'm the first in my family to get a PhD. So I just really didn't know differences at all. So, yeah, I definitely had to do like my research just to even know what the difference was, um, particularly knowing that when it was time to apply, um, you have these different different sort of designations. And I'm sure we're mm-hmm. going to like get into it later. But now on the back end, um, I recognize that there's a little bit of, you know, there's like an academic hierarchy sometimes right. that comes into play um, yeah. to compare people with a PhD versus an EDD uh, for different reasons. And I mean, I guess, thank goodness, I did do my research to sort of understand that I wanted to be able to also be a researcher. And so, of course, the Ph.D. route um, is the best way to do that. And then we're going to get into that. But like, Uh yeah, thank goodness I like did my research because I just I didn't know. You know, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't really have an idea either. And I have two parents who both have PhDs. Uh, Neither one of them have an ED. So I didn't really know much about it at all Mm -hmm. Um, and didn't really know, like you said, the designation between 
um, both degrees. But um, we're going to talk about the advantages and the strengths of each. Um, so a PhD, as you just said, is more research intensive. And that's kind of one of the main reasons why I wanted to pursue a PhD as well is because I love doing research. I love statistics, but like qualitative statistics, not quantitative <laughs> statistics. That's Dr. Poole's like thing. She, she likes quant. I like qual. Um, that's her wheelhouse, not mine. Yeah. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say so. Right. Uh, <laughs> just like I'm not, I, I don't hate qualitative, but I just like the whole time when Dr. Bell and I work on qualitative things, I complain the whole time. So I know she's like over it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, we have our we have our specialties, and that's we important do. We to have know. our systems. We pick up where the other one lags, so mm-hmm. it's all good. We're covered. We're covered. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I've always, like I said, had respect for you know being data informed and you know creating theories and analyzing things. Like I love doing analysis, and um, for my dissertation, like I went above and beyond with my analysis, which is probably why. My chapter four took so long to write, and it's so long because I love doing this sort of thing. Um, so, you know, that's why I chose to to pursue a PhD because it's research intensive. Um, and, you know, you can theorize and then utilize those theories and apply them, you know, in the classroom or in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, um, secondly, it's a more common route to the professoriate. So, Dr. Poole, mm-hmm. do you see yourself you know, becoming a professor, um, you know, after you kind of matriculate through your career. Yeah, that's like my retirement plan. So so, um, my like ultimate goal is to be able to, yeah, remain a clinician for now and for the next, you know, several years in my view as of now. Um, but yeah, I do, I do feel like I'm also meant to be in the classroom, um, uh-huh. for a multitude of reasons, including the reason, like you mentioned earlier, why we started Ebony's and Ivory is to create opportunities for students, um, of color, but also non-students of color to see a woman of color, um, right. in the classroom, in a counseling classroom for sure. So yeah, being a professor is definitely a part of the plan and I get a taste of it now adjuncting, but I definitely still know I'm not ready for the full out, um, full time professorship. Process. Yeah. And t- oh my God. We should talk about that tenure scarcity. Yeah. Like, that's I, probably in the next episode. So, <laughs> but this is the reason why a PhD is more common route to faculty because, um, some of the things that are, um, I guess we, we would say, um, that, that is, students are pushed to do um, mimics the tenure process. So um, writing articles, um, presenting at national conferences, Mm -hmm. teaching, being a TA, all of those things mimic the tenure process. Um, And also, you know, students are encouraged to learn how to cultivate future scholars, especially in my program. Um, I got my PhD in higher education. So not only were we focused on being good higher ed administrators, but also how to teach, how to cultivate other students to become higher ed administrators. Mm -hmm. So that is another advantage of a PhD. The next one is more program options. So like we said before, I didn't even know necessarily too much about an EDD, you know, when I first decided I wanted to get a PhD. Um, And upon doing a little research, um, there's definitely um, more PhD options as far as degree programs. in lieu of EDD programs. 
Um, and I don't know, like you said, if that is because of the, um, I guess, the the hierarchy between, you know, which one is more respected or which one is mm-hmm. more substantiated. Um, I don't know if that's why or, um, you know, I, don't, I'm, I need more research on that maybe, mm-hmm. you know, why, why there are less EDD programs, but there are less EDD programs. And if you're looking to, um, you know, stay in a specific location or if you want to go to a specific specific school or um, if you want to engage with specific faculty, they might not have an EDD or they might not have a PhD. Um, so that is definitely a deciding factor in what degree, degree program you're going to pursue. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is funding opportunities. So um, I wish this was the case for me, but <laughs> um, <laughs> most PhD, not most, some PhD programs do offer full funding and I've seen it before. Um, I know definitely if you're in the sciences or in any sort of STEM discipline, there's a great likelihood that you will be offered full funding. I know when my mom got her PhD in science and math at Southern University, they paid her to go to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was getting like scholarship checks and refund checks. She's like, you know, 50 years old. I'm like, wait, like, how are you getting <laughs> refund checks back? That's a blessing. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's a needed discipline, mm-hmm. um, especially as a black woman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they needed more representation. So, you know, she was paid to go to school. So um, there are more opportunities because of the research intensive, um, you know, designation. There are more opportunities for funding, full funding or partial funding um, in a Ph.D. program. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Ph.D. students, like I said, are given opportunities to serve as instructors. You may get paid for that, you may not. To serve as TAs, um, and it further, you know, prepares them um, for those roles, for faculty roles. Um, you know, so that adds to funding. So funding options is another reason why you might want to choose a PhD or over an EDD. Yeah. For EDDs, um, first off, they're more practical, they're more pragmatic. So with an EDD, um, you're being taught how to, you know, apply whatever you're learning in class in real time. So most, you know, EDD students are working mm-hmm. in the field of education already. Um, and they're using, you know, what they learn to bring into their schools, to bring into their campuses, um, to bring into what they're already doing. So they're more pragmatic um, and they're they're already developing like best practices for what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. I always like to think of them as being like, like an EDD is a more of a practitioner degree. Like exactly. it's, the, it's the second level beyond the masters of being a practitioner because they do get a lot of, it's just basically like hands-on, bringing it right into, you know, the workplace, um, which is, you know, beneficial for the person in that role if that is their aim. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, also, something I read about um, as far as like the difference between curriculum and the difference between um, dissertation wise with an EDD and a PhD um, students with PhDs are expected to create new research mm-hmm. um, so you know you can't just borrow somebody else's theory and you know or exactly what they're doing from their dissertation and recreate it um, that's not what the expectation is you're supposed to be adding to the field mm-hmm. whereas students who are um, getting an EDD and doing research they're you know proving 
theories that have already a proven research that has already been done and applying it, showing how it can be applied to um, whatever school, whatever issue is current or pressing in the field of education. Hmm. Interesting. Also, um, EDD programs are full-time employment friendly, which is great because you don't have to be a struggling grad student and you don't have to worry about getting a GA ship. You don't have to worry about, you know, pulling out student loans or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or giving up your that, job. like Or giving up your job is assumed that you're already going to be um, or you're going to continue mm-hmm. um, in, in your employment because you're going to be using those best practices and um, you're going to be util- utilizing those theories where you are. Um, so, but my PhD program also, because it was higher ed, a lot of us were still working in higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our classes didn't, they weren't in the middle of the day. You know, we started classes in the evening because we had people who were working at the campus, at the school. Like me. Like me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but it's more so you can definitely expect, um, for EDD students not to have to give up your full-time job, which is great. Because mm-hmm. at some point, I remember doing a dissertation, like, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to quit my job and, like, just try to, like, search for the dissertation fellowship. This is a lot. Yeah. You know, like, this is a lot of research. Um, yeah. So I had to kind of think about that. And I'm not so sure if EDD students have to do that. I know their dissertations aren't as research intensive as ours are, but they still are of course, answering a research question question, and applying whatever research that they're doing to, you know, what they can bring to their work environments. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, um, there's professional capital among classmates. So when I was doing my research, you know, during the blog, um, one guy said that, you know, he had a doctorate in education and it was great to be able to network with his cohorts mm-hmm. members and it was great to be able to bounce ideas and because they had some high power players you know in the room people who had already accomplished administration positions or had already you know been hired for administration positions were just looking to improve upon and be more efficient at their positions they were actually hiring people out of the cohort so having you know professional capital you know, within the classroom, um, being able to network, being able to be a part of professional learning communities um, is very advantageous, especially, you know, if you might be looking for a job and someone, you know, sees, hey, you know, I like what they're doing. I like what, you know, them as a group member, you can get hired. Um, that's an, a benefit of an EDD program. Yeah. So um, I think we already kind of covered why you chose a PhD versus an EDD um, Dr. Fool and why I chose one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you kind of like um, the the theoretical uh, point versus the pragmatic viewpoint now that you look back and think on, you know, deciding between the two? I think, yes. Obviously, we're biased because we already have chosen our path. But for those people we listening, are. I know that they but have we to. we did the research beforehand, though. We did. And so for the people who are, like, trying to figure this out. I think it comes down to like, you have to be true to yourself and what it is long term. And I know sometimes in the beginning, that's really hard to know too, um, that you want, but it's like, I had to 
had to stick with something that felt like I was going to be able to make the impact that I wanted to make. Ultimately, when most of us choose a career, it, it usually is about what influence will it have on others. And so for me, knowing that the PhD was the route to do that through, you know, hard evidence, research, theories, um, it just made sense. I have an appreciation for sure. I have friends who have EDDs um, and they will tell me very quickly, like research is not my thing. Like I could care less about like doing research. They will read the research. They utilize the research, um, but they just go straight to sort of application mode. Whereas I think the PhD just adds that extra step in of actually, you know, creating a new concept or theory or testing it at least um, in a different way so that then it can be applied. And so um, I, I wouldn't change my mind about it, but uh, <laughs> I definitely know, you know, I needed to do my my research in which one fit with like what I felt like is my bigger sort of purpose or how I'm supposed to navigate for me, the world of like counseling and mental health so that um, I can have the impact that I want to have. Right. And I feel like, you know, I want to stress that no one is better than the other. And so Dr. Poole and I talked about, you know, this whole hierarchy, uh, especially in the field of education, um, mm-hmm. that a PhD is better than an EDD um, because, you know, it's more research intensive. Um, you know, it leads to, like I said, a faculty position. Um, and it's just tried and true. Um, you know, EDDs came, um, a number of years later mm-hmm. and, you know, as a degree program, um, they were, you know, created later than PhD. So all of those factors, you know, people in the advertiser are really bougie. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're academic snobs, like yeah. seriously about it. Um, I mean, we could tell, I have stories, but I won't tell them. But like <laughs> things that people, you know, say, like just in even um, acknowledging somebody's status as doctor just because they did EDD instead of PhD, which is like absolutely ridiculous because they're, they're different for a reason. And so, you know, that is why it, going back to your last question, Dr. Bell, like you got to be confident and sort of the route you want to take because there are going to be people who will question it on both sides. You could end up being a PhD working, you know, under a department head that maybe has an EDD and they feel like for you, that was a waste of time by doing the research. And so it's, it's really about your personal choice and preference. Um, but yes, those academic snobs do exist in all settings. I like that you said that because I work in the school system mm-hmm. and my boss has an EDD. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's normally what you, may see you know in k through 12 mm-hmm, um, but i have mm-hmm. a phd and i still do research you know we still go to conferences and things like that and she always tells me you know i like what you're doing like i want to get to that i want to get back to that i want to do what you're doing she she is great she is an icon in her own right mm-hmm. in the field of education um and she does major things she has books and articles and all that good stuff um but as far as it being you know, pragmatic versus like theoretical, like she still can appreciate theory. She still can appreciate research and um, appreciate, you know, writing and publishing articles from that side. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she's definitely not like an easy snob to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. It could be, you know, vice versa. And, um, you know, I appreciate that about her, but I personally feel like, you know, it's a terminal degree. Um, there's, no one degree 
better than the other because we all do research. We all put forth, you know, our best effort to mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> to accomplish what we need to accomplish in the, in those programs. So um, I, it, it's just kind of weird to me, yeah. um, you know, how one can say, you know, somebody's degree is not as substantiated as, as somebody else's. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Very crazy. Um, so you guys, you know, let us know in the comments if you've gotten an EDD or if you've gotten a PhD. Let us know why you chose that. Um, what do you think about, you know, theory versus pragmatism? Um, and what do you think about this, you know, debate mm-hmm. that one is better than the other and one is more respected than the other? Tell us what you think. Leave us a comment. All right. So also, Dr. Poole, I want to bring mention to our mentorship program. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it last last podcast, mm-hmm. um, but the sign-up sheet is now available. So we have a Google sign-up sheet on the website for mentees and mentors, um, and we launched the sign-in sheet at the beginning of February. Um, the terms to be a mentee are that you need to at least have a current master's degree and considering a PhD or you're already a PhD student. And um, you need to be two years post-grad for a PhD. Mm-hmm. For mentor terms, you have to be a current PhD candidate or beyond. So, Dr. Poole, can you explain what a PhD candidate is versus mm-hmm. a PhD student? Right. So, if you're a PhD student, that means, obviously, like, you're still in coursework. You have not um, done any of the process towards finishing, like, your proposal um, which is technically what makes you a PhD candidate. Um, and in some cases, because it will vary, sometimes people are able to become a candidate after they pass their comps or um, generals. generals, right? They have different yeah. names. Dr. Bell had generals, I had comps, but they're the same. It's the same thing. They just have different titles. Um, and that's usually the status that allows you to be considered a candidate, meaning that you basically just have your research to do. You've come up with your study, you've passed, um, all of the sort of minimum qualifications on the academic side, and now you are at that stage of um, being a candidate. You're almost, you're almost done. You're not quite yeah. there, but you're almost done. And your research has been approved by right. the committee. Yes, well. you've gotten a full out yes to, to <laughs> move forward. Signatures. You got the green light. You got the signatures. They're dry on the paper. Oh, and the expectation for the mentorship program is that there is a one-year mandatory commitment mm-hmm. with a minimal monthly contact. So that means that you guys should, um, you know, have contact at least once a month, whether it be through email, phone, Skype, text, whatever, whatever your, you know, communication venue is, um, just making sure that um, there is monthly communication. Um, and then we have a quarterly contract report submission through the website. And we want to hear about all of the great things that you guys are doing in the mentorship program so that we can brag on you. And we can share with, you know, the rest of the world, you know, what great things are being done in the mentorship um, initiative program. So, yeah. so we're super, super excited about it. So if you haven't signed up and you've listened to this already, you need to sign up so that we can match you because we do want by the time the second quarter of the year comes, which is for April, that you all could at least start having meetings and contact with one another. And so our hope is that we're going to obviously try to keep things to where you can be 
um, match with someone close to you, but obviously knowing that we also want people to be matched based on their interests, based on what they have in common and who's going to be um, just a good fit. And so um, that also then means you got to make time maybe for like a Skype or FaceTime call. And that is also um, that counts as contact, but we want to give you all time to sort of set that up and get to know each other. Um, we're going into like heavy, like conference season. So it would be great if you happen to be going to the same conference, you can meet up and and that also would count as like monthly contact with one another. So we just want to be able to provide you all with an opportunity to both, if you are looking for a mentor to find that, but if you're looking to, um, contribute to, you know, the generations of folks that will be occupying the ivory, ivory tower behind you. Um, that you can do that as well. So make sure if you are interested on either side, mentor or mentee, that you sign up today. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our signature segments. signature segments um first off is culture corner i always mess it up i said it right this time though Cold 2019 yeah so this podcast um we're gonna talk about hbcu bennett college so bennett is back in it um (laughs) if you guys have you know stayed abreast of kind of what's going on in higher ed you would know that um bennett college um, which is a college for black women, um, and HBCU um, put out a call um, nationwide um, because they needed funding because sex, um, if you work at higher age, you know, like that name alone is, is scary. Um, the Southern <laughs> Association of Colleges and Schools Commission on Colleges Sex um, notified Bennett, which is in Greensboro, North Carolina, that it's going to lose, that it would lose its accreditation. So their college president, um, Phyllis Worthy Dawkins, who is my soror, uh, my beloved soror, Delta Sigma Theta, she promptly appealed the commissioner's decision, um, and the appeal is going to be heard um, later in February. But she wanted to make sure that the college was financially stable. So the college does have an endowment, um, but, you know, with an endowment, she didn't want to run through that. She just wanted to make sure that the college was stable, so, um, you know, they had an emergency um, founding um, drive. It was called Stand with Bennett. Um, did I say founding drive? Funding drive. Fundraising drive. Um, <laughs> fundraiser. Um, and um, the goal was to raise $5 million by February the 1st, um, and they exceeded that. They raised $8 million. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, some of the contributors were um, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority donated $110,000. Um, the C. Smith Reynolds Foundation, Papa John's Pizza. It's funny to me because <laughs> on social media, when they released that Papa John's, um, you know, donated that $500,000, half a million dollars. You know, people were like, oh, you know, that's good for Benny, but you still canceled Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> 
because of, you know, the issue with the NFL. Yeah, they took the him out all the commercials. He can't even yes. be in the commercials no more. <laughs> yes. The, uh, you know, John, John Smatter, is that what his name? Papa John. I have no idea. Yeah, that's his name. Um, people are like, you still cancel, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, High Point University, uh, which is an affiliate of the United Methodist Church, said it would match up to a million for every donation, meaning the campaign's final week. So they had a total of 11,000 donors, um, which is awesome. That's amazing. Um, so they had a ceremony, and I misspoke actually because they had a ceremony and they announced that they raised a total of $8.2 million, mm-hmm. um, which also included $100,000 from BPNT Bank, um, $1 million from different donors. I'm not going to name them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Benny is back in. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm excited for them. It's just, you know, um, you know, our who are striving to be great, um, who are striving to be, um, you know, relevant in the field of higher education and, you know, better way than to honor Bennett is to, you know, make them our culture corner. Um, and I didn't go to HBCU, but I completely appreciate everything, you know, the HBCUs have done for our people um, and done for this nation in general and all the graduates from HBCU. Still going on to do amazing things for America. So, um, shout out to Bennett. Shout out to Bennett. HBCU love. Yes. Bennett is back in it. Yes. <laughs> I made that myself, guys. <laughs> you proud of me. I made that myself. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, this week, he's in the spotlight is none other than Dr. Channing Moreland. And Dr. Channing Moreland has been our spotlight before. Because she graduated in August 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, she um, has been, you know, rolling with us since the beginning. Yes. Um, since, you know, we decided we were going to, you know, do Ebony's and Ivory and do a seat at the table. Um, you know, so she's been rolling with us. She's been faithful. So, you know, we definitely want to shout her out. But she's amazing because she just graduated, you know, the summer of 2018. And she already has been appointed. Um, as a clinical assistant professor at Pitt, that's a huge deal. Yes, in the School of Rehab Sciences in its graduate training program um, in clinical rehabilitation and mental health counseling. Like I, I, when I saw that on her social media page, I was just like, "That's boss!" Like, yeah, it's amazing. That's boss. So we're so excited for you, Doctor Moreland. Yes, um, keep killing it. Like, you're killing it. You're, you're killing making it. us proud, for sure. Yes. And we are so excited and so honored to be able to spotlight you and the great things that you've done and you're you're going to continue to do um, for higher education and for women of color. Yes, for sure. We're super excited about your future and super can't excited. wait to see what else you do. Yes. We're going to get Dr. Moreland on the show so yeah. she can talk to us about you know, how... You know, it is being a, a professor at mm-hmm. Pitt um, as a woman of color. Yeah. So, this kind of marks the end of our show, Dr. Paul. I feel like, you know. This is like we, a speedy we, episode. We did it. We, we, yeah. We try, we're trying to make sure that you guys can listen to a full episode for your commute. Or um, if you're like yeah. me, I listen to the 
to podcasts when I'm on like the treadmill. That's my way of forcing myself to stay on. Um, and I mean, more than 30 minutes might just kill me. So it's like trying to make sure that. I, right. Yeah, I'm going to try. We'll see. Um, Let me tell y'all something. Right. I'm going to cut you off. Dr. Poole decided she wanted to be my little activity friend, um, the Apple Watch. Um, <laughs> but I hope she knows. I haven't been wearing my Apple Watch since I had my baby three months ago. Um, but I wasn't doing anything before that. So um, maybe we'll start holding each other accountable. <laughs> Right. Well, I still wear my Apple Watch, and Dr. Bell is not probably seeing any like workouts, or if she do, they're not consistent. Like it might be like, oh, we'll keep the worked out today, and then you might see that again in like a week. So, so we're trying to do better. I have for the month of February set some goals, and so so far I'm on target, but we're only five days in, so we'll see. How that goes, but I mean, I mean, because I just, I picked things that I know during this time I wouldn't eat. So like fast food, I've given up for the the month. Um, and we'll see how that long that lasts. And usually that's about time. We could have a whole other podcast episode about like how, you know, once you get into the workforce too, you sort of assume, oh, school's done. Like I'll have, I'll cook dinner every night and I'm going to do this and that. It does not happen. So, yeah, maybe that needs to be another episode. I think we need to, like, expose the dream. <laughs> expose me. It was going to happen and didn't happen. Um, yeah. For those of you who, we already said it, but we're both from Louisiana. So, like, carnival season is a big deal. Um, yes, for crawfish and king cake. Crawfish but and king cake. How many king king cake? Cakes have you had? Um, two. But, like, my bir- I had a birthday. So, I feel like. That's why. <laughs> why would you make so much cake for your birthday? Well, I had a king. One of my cakes was a king cake. Like, I've, I oh, always okay. have gotten, like, I always get a king cake for my birthday since, like, I was one. Because my <laughs> my birthday usually falls. It's close enough. Yeah, it always, it typically, carnival season has started by the time the end of January comes. And mm-hmm. it barely made it in this time. Like, literally, I think my birthday weekend was the first parades in the area. Probably not even in New Orleans, but just in the area, like, Louisiana. Um mm-hmm. So, yes, so since I had a king cake that my mother got me for my birthday, and then um, my coworkers at work got me a king cake. So, those were the two. I haven't finished the second one, so I've only had like one and a half king cakes. I don't know what they put babies in, but did you? They don't put the babies in. They didn't have the, the baby set in the middle it's of a all of them. Yeah, uh-huh. like they took the fun out of king cakes. I'm pretty certain they when did. I was one, there was a baby in my king cake somewhere. Yeah, absolutely, there definitely was babies in king cakes. So probably I was like in high school or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like that is a common question in Louisiana around carnival, carnival season is how many king cakes have you eaten? Mm-hmm. I have not eaten one. Um, oh, but I need I'm to send you one. Mom. I know, right? I'm counting on people to send me one. Um, I told my mom she needs to send me one. I want a donut king cake or like one from um, Sucre. I don't. I don't think I've ever had one from them before. Oh, you should try it. Brandazzles or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just talking about how we, you know, have you know started to be conscious of our time, and then we just gone like a carnival season rant. So. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, this is welcome back. Productive. Right. Uh, welcome okay. back sorry, to Ebony's and Ivory. Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Carnival season is fun. It's exciting. Right. It's culture. It is. Um, sorry, guys, but yes, we are trying to um not laugh the whole time when we're on here and <laughs> be buzzing jokes because we will. Um, yeah. but give you content. Um. That is palpable. That um, you, know, you can eat and live out your day. Um, yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll do better and not go on random tangents. Um, <laughs> but thank y'all for tuning in. Um, as always, make sure that you check on Tuesdays for EITR Tuesdays for fresh content. Um, that'll be coming out. Um, make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe. To our Instagram page, mm-hmm. to our Twitter page, to our Facebook page, to SoundCloud, to Apple Podcasts, um, to all of those great venues that allow us to. Yes. Um, and make sure also that you submit your mentorship initiative forms as well as your Emmys in the Spotlight form. Shout out to Dr. Moreland again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to hear from you guys and we want to spotlight and acknowledge you all. Um, so want to thank y'all for y'all's time um and we'll see you next week we'll see you next time bye guys